Remember last year, March 2020? This time last year, 365 days ago, the pandemic of living in constant crisis and chaos began. Our whole world changed in the span of three days. Remember those days? Cruise lines were cancelled first. The NBA shut down their season due to outbreaks in the stands. Shortly after that, the NHL quit their season. Homeschooling was about to start and church as we have known it for over a hundred years changed in a moment. And not only have we experienced the crisis and chaos of a modern day pandemic for over 365 days, but we have also seemingly have been doing it alone and isolated. In fact, 20% of the city of Vancouver live alone. 80% of people have experienced loneliness during COVID. The lack of quality relationships, doing life together, and the quantity of digital interactions has caused elevated stress of loneliness caused by the chaos and crisis of COVID. And everything we have known about life, work, family, church, and everyday routine has been flipped upside down. And we were told that this lockdown 365 days ago was supposed to be a two-week window. Remember that? And anyone in crisis or chaos or being isolated, our mental health will be tested. It is like a boiling pot of water. Our capacity as human beings become tested. And like the water being turned up on a stove, our character, resiliency, relationships experience pressure like we have never experienced before. There is no Google links or a crisis handbook, or a YouTube video, how to handle a pandemic well. We have been figuring this crisis out as we go, on the fly, in the moment. And of course, like this pot of boiling water, the ongoing pressures and the weight of crisis, the mental health, the physical realities, and the relational tensions, even spiritual exhaustion, tends to heat up. The fatigue starts to rise within us like a pot of boiling water. It is the pain of being in crisis for over 365 days. And just like any pot of boiling water, if we are not careful, can boil over and burn everyone and everything around us. Have you been there before? Well, here is an example. When I and my wife found out that our four kids were going to online learning and homeschool in the spring and summer of 2020, we figured out, let's make the most out of it. Let's try to have some fun with this. We focused on enjoying extra time together with our kids to do daily routines or activities for fun and be uh, building meaningful memories. Well, that went down the slippery slope of exhaustion pretty quick. Imagine with me, if you can, trying to help four children learn at four different computer stations with four different devices. In fact, we had to borrow devices from school and friends and to be a homeschool teacher. Now, the school told us we didn't have to be a homeschool teacher, but that wasn't even close to reality. With four different grades, it put us in crisis mode. Put on top of that, Anik was studying for her career and I'm trying to work at home was chaotic chaotic to say it the least. And trying to do this all being isolated at home was turning up the heat. The water started to boil over. Have you felt these pressures before? Was, has the water been boiling deep within you? The temperature of a pandemic rising in you? 
the water is about to overflow. Yet this is nothing new for the New Testament church. The early church experienced crisis, chaos, and isolation too. The early church experienced pandemics, oppressive persecution, how to adjust to the rapid growth throughout the known world, this Christianity movement, and isolationism from those that they love simply because they decided to follow Jesus. In fact, most of the New Testament has been written on how to handle crisis, chaos, and isolation. That is why we are in a sermon series called A Better You. How to become a better you, not a bitter you. Now bitterness is like that pot of boiling water spilling over. Bitterness, when unchecked, is undealt with discouragement. Or you see, when we face difficulties in this life, you and I have a choice to become better or bitter. And unchecked bitterness is the result of undealt with discouragement. With that said, the writers of the New Testament actually help us become a better you in difficult times. When we experience crisis, chaos, and isolation, when we feel deflated with the discouragement of difficult days, there is hope. In fact, the Apostle Paul, Peter puts it this way in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 5 to 8. I encourage you to see this on your outline. Circle this word. Make every effort. Put your whole heart in it, in other words. Or put everything that you are. Lean into it. Make every effort. And to add to your faith. faith circle that word faith. To add to your faith is to grow or to build upon this faith. This faith is Jesus Christ. So God calls us through Peter to add onto our faith. Now what is this faith? This faith, what we're calling this, is this chair. And this chair represents salvation. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. But we can rest in this chair. Knowing that God is with us. That I know and experience God's peace. God's salvation. Because of who he is, I can rest. We rest in our faith. And yet Peter says in the midst of salvation, in the midst of faith, in the midst of hard times when the chair starts rocking, God calls us through Peter to add upon our faith. To add upon what we could do to continue to enjoy the goodness of faith. And this is what Peter says. To add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance. Circle that word perseverance. Perseverance means to endure. It's to have long suffering. It is patient endurance in the midst of crisis, chaos and isolation. And Peter continues to go on and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection, and mutual affection, love. Listen to this for a second. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge or your faith or the chair of salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So today we are going to unpack how to add perseverance to our faith. How can we rest in the chair of faith when we've experienced crisis, chaos, and isolation? How can we trust God when everything, including ourselves, seems to be out of control? How do we add faith when we experience hard times? 
Well, one of my favorite passages of scripture on this is found in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 and 18. The Apostle Paul provides actually a model of how to persevere in the midst of hard times. Listen to what he says. Therefore, because of the chair of salvation, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now first, as you see in your outline, you can add to your perseverance in hard times by fortifying your heart on Jesus. Fortifying your heart on Jesus. Paul says, do not lose heart. How do you not lose heart? We fortify our hearts on the faith in Christ Jesus. We can rest in Jesus. Even when the world around us is in chaos, we can be assured of this faith we have in Jesus. Now, even Jesus said this. In this world, in this present age and time, you will experience many troubles. Now, think about this. Jesus didn't say if you will experience troubles or you won't experience troubles. He is saying you will experience many troubles. We will all experience hard times. It is a given fact. In fact, Jesus is saying we should expect hard times. So often, though, we tend to run away from hardships, don't we? We tend to blame our loved ones or our spouse or our children, our jobs our boss, or even God for the difficulties we face. But Jesus says, take heart. Why? Because he or I, he says, have overcome the world. In other words, embrace hard times when they come your way. Now that doesn't mean we look for trouble or we cause trouble, but how to respond to troubling times. We take heart. We take heart in our faith in Jesus. We take heart in the knowledge of knowing and experiencing faith in everyday life. We take heart that Jesus is in control, even when life is out of control. Now, you might be here today listening, and you might not be a follower of Jesus. That is absolutely okay. We're so glad that you're with us today. I would like to give you an opportunity to experience Jesus or respond to Jesus at the end of this talk today. So don't tune out when I go into this story and binge on Netflix. And Netflix is getting boring anyway. So stick with me for a few moments here. Now, for those who are followers of Jesus, do you remember the first time you experienced Jesus? Do you remember when he revealed his deep love for you or his peace? Do you remember when God whispered your name and spoke purpose in you? Remember when Jesus made himself known to you? And not only that, remember the times when God's provision came just at the right time? The time that God showed up when you lost hope? Remember when God made himself known to you when everything else failed? Do you remember those times? In fact, sometime today, I encourage you to write down what God has done for you. You would be amazed of how good God is and how faithful he is when we simply remember. That is why we can take heart. How do you add to your perseverance during hard times? We take heart. Remember who God is and what he has done for you. And this leads 
to the second way we can add perseverance in hard times. As you see in your outline, Paul encourages to change your perspective by focusing your perspective on Jesus. Listen to what Paul says next. Do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. What a fantastic concept. Paul is encouraging followers of Jesus not to focus on the outward crises or the hardships or the chaos or the isolationism, but to focus on growing our faith, which is within us, in the midst of hard times. The brother of Jesus, his name is James, who's the leader and pastor of the Jerusalem church in the first century, who went through various trials and hardships, said this. He says this. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you go through many trials. Now you might hear that and see that on the screen and say, come on, Andy, consider trials and hardships pure joy. How can hardships bring me joy? How can my difficult marriage bring me joy? How can my job that I lost during COVID be pure joy? How can losing a loved one in the midst of a pandemic where you can't truly grieve or say goodbye be out of pure joy? How can isolationism be considered pure joy, Andy? Well, James puts it this way. Because hardships are a testing of your faith to produce perseverance or endurance. Consider it all joy when our faith is tested, friends. Is your faith being tested today? This is what Paul is speaking about Even though outwardly we are wasting away physically on earth, our faith has an opportunity to grow and increase during hard times. Now, you might have experienced loss during COVID. And I've experienced deep loss during COVID. A couple of months ago, I lost my dad to a heart complication. It has been a devastating journey, to say it the least. Since 2021, I've been away from home almost as many times as being home with Anik and the kids. Hospital visits, funeral arrangements, in the middle of a pandemic to say, and estate planning has dominated my 2021. I have heard so many people, and maybe you feel the same, thank God 2020 is done, and rightly so. But perhaps God has given us 2020 and 2021 personally and as a church family to help Build our faith. What are you doing with your hardships? One of the countless things I need to do for my dad's estate uh, is to get an appraiser to look at his coin collection. My dad was a a passionate coin collector. He had over 3,000 items, anything from rare coins to collector's items. And you may know... um, To have someone appraise something like that, you need someone to check the authenticity and quality of the coin collection. Some of his coins had to go through a series of tests just to see the quality of the item. These tests would determine not only the quality of the item, but the precision of the item to determine the value of the coin. Now stick with me. In the same way, hardships test our faith. God allows you and I to be tested or go through a series of tests to see if our faith is genuine, to see if our faith is real, to see if our faith is authentic. Testing gives you and I an opportunity in the midst of obstacles to practice what we believe, to put into practice what we teach, to rely on God to help us 
in the midst of hardships. Why? Well, to reveal the maturity, or in other words, the value of your faith. So not only does Paul encourage us to add our perseverance by fortifying our hearts or focusing our perspective on Jesus, but thirdly, as your outline will show you, you can add to your perseverance by finding your eternity in Jesus. By finding your eternity in Jesus. Paul puts it this way, in comparison, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. You see, in comparison, eternity has so much more in store for us than the temporal on earth. Now, you might have heard this story before as a follower of Jesus. If you aren't a follower of Jesus and you're still with us this morning or today, this story might sound a little crazy, so stick with me as well. This story is about Abraham and Isaac. Abraham would have been in his late 90s, early 100-year-old guy, And his son Isaac would have been in his mid-twenties. They went up on a mountain to offer a sacrifice to God. And this actually paints a really good picture about the momentary troubles of this day in comparison to eternal glory we have in Jesus. Now Abraham was asked by God, now this is crazy, to sacrifice his one and only son Isaac. Yes, that does sound crazy. And in this type of religious practice, this was common in ancient Near East, but it wasn't common to the nation of Israel. And even crazier, it seems that to Abraham, listening to God, he never asked any questions. He didn't banter with God. He didn't run away from God. He didn't complain to God. He simply listened and responded as being the father of Israel. And even more crazier than that, it is his son Isaac that went up to the mountain with Abraham. In fact, it would have been Isaac who built the altar and grabbed all the wood together. It would have been Isaac to put himself on the altar for his dad to strike him with a knife. And as right before Abraham was able to strike his son, God provided a sacrifice, a ram instead. You see, even though that this story is such a crazy one, it is a story of trust. This is a story of trusting God in the long haul. Abraham trusted that God would provide. And it's a story of Isaac trusting his dad. Again, this story again might sound really crazy to you, but Abraham and Isaac were able to trust each other because God showed himself trustworthy. Over a lifetime, God was trustworthy to Abraham and to Isaac. In the same way, friends, you and I can trust God when we go through troubles. We can shift from our hard times by seeing what they truly are, light and momentary. Why? Because troubles do not compare, even come close to the great riches we have in eternity. You see, hardships help us to rely on God. Hardships help us grow in our trust or our confidence in God, is another word. Faith is choosing to trust God when life is chaotic. Faith is choosing to trust God when life is hard. Faith is choosing to trust God when life is unfair and bitter and unrelentless. Trusting in God is choosing to work out your faith in everyday life. So friend, if you're listening today, where do you put your trust in? Is your trust in God, which is strengthening your faith, 
Or are you trusting in the things of this world which is actually weakening your faith during these difficult days? Be encouraged, friends. Hardships give us an opportunity to be renewed inwardly our faith day by day as we choose to trust or put our confidence in God. There was a study done in the early 2000s of why some people who were put in the harshest conditions as prisoners of war were able to survive and even thrive afterwards in concentration camps. Even though there's some variables to this research, the researchers came up with three unique realities. First, those who were able to survive and thrive and others didn't had an intentional focus on the present or the now. The researchers discovered that those who lived in the present were able to focus on the present rather than the dire realities they were in. To live in the present was to have an attitude of gratitude, they said. To be thankful for another day, to consider the present or the now as a precious gift. Second, those who were able to survive and thrive and others didn't made the decision to move every day. Survivors of concentration camps were those who decided to make the most out of each day. So not only were they thankful for another day, but they made the most out of each day simply by waking up and getting moving. They wanted to make the most out of each day. Third, those who survived and thrived in the harshest conditions of concentration camps had a hopeful perspective. They would dream of what was ahead what could be better? What could be? And in most cases, over 80% of the participants in this research would put their hope or did put their hope on a religious or spiritual perspective. You see, these prisoners of war were able to survive in the harshest of conditions because they decided to fix their eyes on something better. And in the same way, friends, you and I can fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus, even though we can't physically see him, he is the perfect image of fixing our eyes on during difficult times. Jesus was calm and collected during his times of chaos and crisis, is the example to live by. You see, Jesus faced hardships too. The writer to the Hebrews, people who were experiencing hardship from their own tribe Israel and persecution from the Roman Empire, wrote to encourage the Jewish reader and said this, also to encourage you and I. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, Sinners like you and I even. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus endured the cross. He took on the shame and the guilt of our sins. He took our sins from the past, present and future. Not only that, he took on the weight of the entirety of sin and the hardships of sin. So that you and I will not grow weary and lose heart. In the same way, we fix our eyes on Jesus and the goodness of God. You have seen that this is the chair. This is the chair of salvation. This is the goodness of God. I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. 
but I fixate my eyes on salvation. That God is with me. That God has provided a way through my hardships to persevere, to add upon my faith. But what a great opportunity you and I have when we can simply rest and be assured of this salvation in Christ Jesus. So what do we fixate on? We fixate on the goodness of Christ, the goodness of this chair that we don't deserve or earn it, but that God is with us. He gives us the goodness of what it means to truly experience salvation, even in the midst of crisis, chaos, and isolation. We fix our eyes on Jesus by making the most out of each day, even difficult days, to make the most out of Jesus for that day. Hear that. We can fix our eyes on Jesus as he is the hopeful assurance, not a false reality or wishful thinking, but what God has created for us in eternity. And even when you experience difficult times, pressuring times, moments of giving up or the water is being turned up, or you want to simply give in, Jesus knows your hardships. He will give you peace and calm in the midst of storm. He will give you a godly perspective on your hardships. And your hardships will become temporary in nature when you fix your eyes on Jesus. Your fears will fade. Your faith will grow. Your confidence in Jesus will strengthen. So friends, take courage. Press on. Don't lose heart. Don't give in. Don't give up. Why? Because as Peter encourages you and I to add to our perseverance, we have the opportunity in the midst of obstacles to deepen our faith in Jesus. And this leads me to the big idea. A simple statement that sums up the teaching every week. And here it is. When you want to fixate on your hard times, focus your hard times on Jesus instead. When you want to fixate on your hard times, Focus your hard times on Jesus instead. How do you become a better you and not a bitter you during hardships? How do you not reach the boiling point of water where it's overflowing, hurting and uh, destroying not only yourself but everyone around you? How do you add perseverance to your faith? You put your focus on Jesus. You fortify your heart on Jesus. You focus your perspective with Jesus and you find eternity, eternity in Jesus. Practically speaking, for me, fortifying my heart is getting into the Word of God. It is, I use the Seps Journal, and you can see that I mark it up. It's where I find peace. It's where I find God's perspective. It's where I can find and keeps me steady in the midst of the storms. It is worth getting one, friends. It's $7.50. If you don't have one, I will buy one for you. It is worth getting. But not only do I fixate or put, fortify my, myself on Jesus, I can put my focus on Jesus as well. And for me, that's prayer. When I pray, I literally give my troubles and my hardships to God. In my prayers, I focus on God to give me his perspective, to provide me wisdom, to strengthen my hardships and frustrations on him. In fact, I even keep some of my prayers in my steps journal to see how God has answered it. It is quite amazing how God will answer prayer when we simply pray. Will you pray? Will you bring your hardships to God? 
Will you bring them over to him so that God will give you wisdom? And finally, I have found eternity in Jesus through people. Now that might sound weird to you, but even through crisis mode and being isolated, you and I are designed and wired by God to not do it alone. For me, I participate in a small group and I do life with a few. In fact, eternity is not just a place in heaven, but a people. And a part of heaven is called the church. And the church is a beautiful place when the church is more than a place we attend, but a place where we belong. A place, a people who we call home. In fact, Broadway could be your home. Have you made Broadway your home? Will you make Broadway your home? When you make the church your home, you will experience a glimpse of eternity, a place and a people where you can belong. Jesus wants you, friend, to become a better you, not a bitter you during hardships. Will you focus your hardships on Jesus or will you fixate on your hardships yourself? Maybe you're here this morning or today and you've never heard about this relationship with Jesus and how God actually helps us through hard times. Well, I want to pray with you. And if you want to bow your heads with me, whether you're in your living room or whether you're in a bedroom, whether you're on your phone or on a screen, you can bow your head and bow your hearts towards God. It's a submission thing to God. There's also going to be a text line on this screen. Feel free to use this text line to talk to a pastor. Maybe you're here and you're listening to this and you're a Christian, but you're just going through a very, very difficult hard time that has led you to bitterness and discouragement rather than actually increasing your faith and adding perseverance. There's a pastor on the other side of that text line that's here to help you and serve with you. Let's pray together. Lord, we bow our hearts and we bow our heads to you today. And we just want to thank you that we have salvation in you. That we can rest in you today. We don't deserve it or earn it, but we simply rest in you. And if people are listening this morning or today and they haven't accepted you as their Lord and personal Savior, I pray that they would confess their sins to you. And that you, they would invite you into their hearts and, your, and their minds. That they would invite you into their hardships. And that they would experience your peace today. Experience salvation today. And that they would reach out to a pastor today. I pray for the rest of us that we would actually add to our perseverance. That we would add and fixate on you, Lord, rather than fixate on the things or the hardships of this world. I pray that we would focus on you so that we can fortify our hearts. That we would focus our perspective, our hardships on you, Lord, as we want to add to our faith. And that we would find eternity not only with you, but the people that you've called us to as a church. We pray for these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Have a great day.